Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapters 35 through 40. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. God does not ever ask people to give more than they have. Isn't this shocking? I'm telling you things that happen in the church. That's why when I saw that stuff going on, I was like, Lord, if if you ever, ever, if I was ever, I would never do that. And praise God to the day, I never have. Some men trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. But we trust in who? The name of our God. And that's all right. And I'm happy to say I've been trusting God. And I'm blessed to tell you every week that you guys give. And, and, and the bills are paid and everything is getting taken care of. I am so blown away and blessed and honored because there's no manipulation. You guys give from a willing heart. That's this church People just giving because they want to see the work of God furthered. Well, if I'm going to meet my deadline, I better keep going. (laughs) Look at verse 30. Matter of fact, verse 30 through 35, I'm just going to tell you, there's this guy by the name of Beziel. You remember him? Beziel's a gifted, spirit-filled, anointed carpenter. We talked about him in chapter 31. His name means in the shadow of God. Beziel is the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And God called Beziel. I want you to just keep perusing in your Bible, remember? God called Beziel, and he also called a guy by the name of Aholiab. Aholiab, his name means father of the tent. And he had a gift of teaching others to do the work of the ministry. So the tabernacle was to be so precise that when you looked at the embroidery, you wouldn't see a stitch missing. When you looked at the menorah, it was perfectly carved. How? Why? Because God gave the guys who were designing and building a supernatural gift to do it. We'll look at chapter 36 as we move forward. In this chapter, we're going to see the framework and the hangings in the tabernacle. And again, we have talked about this, chapter 36 in verse 1. And Beziel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the manner of work for the sanctuary shall do according to all the Lord has commanded. And then Moses had called Beziel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the offerings which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. And so they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. 
Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing, and they spoke to Moses and said, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment in verse 6. Watch this. Don't miss it. Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were what? I don't even know if I can read that. And the people were, would y'all read it for me? I can't even get it out of my mouth. For the material, in verse 7, they had was sufficient for all the work to be done, indeed, too much. Give me your attention. Beziel and Aholiab start the building project, and they gather the materials. Did you get that? And then in verse 4, it tells us all the craftsmen were doing their job. And then Moses said, stop giving, we have plenty. Man, I have never seen that on a share I've never seen that on a praise thon where they get on and they say, we have plenty. There's no need to call in anymore. The phone lines are shut down. I've never, ever seen that. So they had enough. They had plenty. Why did they have plenty? Because God was moving on the hearts of the people. And then in verses 8 through 13, you can read of the hangings that were in the tabernacle. Verse 14, go ahead and look at it. You can read of the curtains of the goat's hair that were hung outside the tabernacle. So from the outside, the tabernacle looked rustic, but on the inside, it was beautiful. And then in verse 19, they made a covering of ram skin dyed red. Verse 20, you can read of the boards and the sockets that went all around. Verse 31, you can read of the bars of the acacia wood. And then in verse 35, you can read of the veil of purple and scarlet and fine woven linen with angels designed on it that hung between the holy place and the most holy place. Chapter 37 gives us a description of the furniture in the tabernacle. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 37, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Beziel made the ark of acacia wood. And then in verse 6, it tells us he also made the mercy seat which was one inch thick. We talked about that. Pure solid gold weighing approximately 700 tons. Somebody once did the math and said that the mercy seat would probably be estimated a value today at $8 million. That's just the seat on top of the box. Very interesting. Then in verse 10, chapter 37, go ahead and look at it. We have the table that was made of acacia wood with its measurements. And then in verse 17, the lampstand of hammered work and the details of it. And then in verse 25, the incense altar was made of acacia wood. And then in verse 29, we have the anointing oil and the incense. Again, we've talked about all of this. Everything that was donated is going directly to the purpose for which it was intended. Chapter 38. We're making good time. A description of making of the altar of burnt offering. Go ahead and look at chapter 38 in verse 1. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. And he made the altar of burnt offering. Go ahead and fast forward to verse 8. 
he made the lava of bronze and its base of bronze from the bronze mirrors of the serving women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. I find that interesting. In King James, it says that they made uh, the lava, this is like a wash basin, from a looking glass. Here we have in the New King Jimmy, tells us from the mirrors. Very interesting. Now, mirrors, give me your attention, mirrors in Egypt were very popular because the Egyptian women, they wore a lot of makeup and they used a mirror to put their makeup on. That's practical. You wouldn't want your son to say, hey, mommy, you're kind of going offline here. So they used a mirror. It's interesting that the cultural norm in Egypt of women using a mirror to put on makeup, the children of Israel leave Egypt and they take that cultural norm with them. And they find themselves doing the same thing after they left Egypt that the Egyptian women did or what they did when they were in Egypt. So what we have here, this is interesting, something that was being used by the world is now being used by God for the glory of God. But the difference is, listen, they aren't concerned with their outer appearance. These women are now concerned with the house of God and how it looks. So the women, here's my point. These women, these mirrors were really important to them. It's not just like us today. We, you break your mirror or you lose your mirror or whatever. You go over to Walmart and get another one. But they didn't do that in those days. These were beaten brass and polished to the highest appearance, which they use for mirrors. So these women are giving away something very precious to them. That's my point. And and, and they're giving it away to be used for the ministry. So now they're not, these women are not so concerned with their appearance and how they look. Now they are more concerned with the ministry and how the house of God looks. Really interesting. Well, in verse 9 in your Bibles, he made the court of the tabernacle, which is 150 feet long, 75 feet wide, that the tabernacle's contained in. So that's kind of the courtyard measurement. Then fast forward to verse 18. We have the hanging for the gate. And then in verse 21 through 31, we have the materials used in the tabernacle. Notice in verse 24. I want to bring your attention there. All the gold that was used in all the work of the holy place was 29 talents, 730 shekels. Get this. Some people estimate a talent is equal to about 70 pounds or 32 kilos. This means that there was something like 2,030 pounds or 920 kilos of gold used in the tabernacle. That's a lot of gold. Chapter 39, we have Aaron's special clothing. Go ahead and look at verse 1. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Of the blue, purple, scarlet thread, they made garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place. And they made the holy garments for Aaron. As the Lord had commanded Moses, please underline that in your Bible because you'll see it over and over and over. 
In other words, listen, Moses did what the Lord commanded down. Here's the idea. Moses did what the Lord commanded down to the last stitch, the last socket, the last hanging ring. Moses did what the Lord commanded. Verse 5 and 6 of chapter 39, they made the ephod. And they set stones in it with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel engraved on each stone. And then in verse 8, you're still with me? They made the breastplate. You're still with me? Look at verse 8. They made the breastplate. Verse 22, fast forward. They made the robe. Verse 27. They made the tunic. Artistically woven of fine linen for Aaron. Verse 30. They made the gold plate for the turban and it read what? Holiness to the Lord. Remember? Verse 32, would you look at it? Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished. And the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. The work is all finished. And then in verse 33, they brought the tabernacle, get this, saints, they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all of its furnishing, its clasp, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets. They brought it to Moses all taken apart. It wasn't set up yet. We haven't gotten there yet. Can you imagine? This is, this is quite an effort. They brought everything to Moses, and Moses inspected every piece. I like that. That tells me Moses is a real leader. You know, a real leader will say, hey, Let's take a look at that. We need this done, we need this done, we need this done, and we need this done. And then later, you come back and you make sure it's done. That tells you something about his leadership. It also tells you something about his obedience. Because he realized that God had given him the task of the instructions of getting the tabernacle completed. And because God gave him that task, he wanted to be sure that it was done properly, correctly, accurately, specifically, as God had commanded. That's so important. I love that about Moses. I could talk about it all day. Well, chapter 40. Thank you, Jesus. I told you I can do all things through Christ. Chapter 40. This is a good chapter. They're all good. but This was real good. They now set up the tabernacle. Chapter 40, look at verse 1. We'll read right to verse 13. Come back and have some comments. Verse 1, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, On the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall put it in it, the ark of testimony, and partition off the ark with the veil. Y'all getting this? You shall bring in the table and arrange the things that are to be set in order on it. And you shall bring in the lampstand and light its lamps. You shall also set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony and put up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. Then you shall set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. And you shall set the laver, the laver between the the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, and that's like a wash basin, I told you, to put water in it. 
You shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen at the court gate. And you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it. And you shall hallow it and all of its utensils. And it shall be holy, separate, sanctified, set apart. And you shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering and, and all of its utensils and consecrate the altar. The altar shall be most holy, and you shall anoint the laver and its base and consecrate it. And then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with the water. And you shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. Stop right there. Give me your attention. So they set up the tabernacle. They anoint the tabernacle, they bring the high priest, they get him washed, they get him cleansed, and they put the priestly garments on, they anoint him, so he can begin to function as priest. And listen, this high priestly office function will continue from this point on until A.D. 70, when Titus Vespasian comes rolling in Jerusalem destroys the temple, they take it apart bit by bit, scrape all the gold that had melted, they set it on fire. And no longer will this high priestly office be functioning. But from this point on, we see the beginning of something that's going to follow all the way from the Old Testament right into a bit of the New Testament, if you will. Verse 14 through 16 in your Bibles, they were to anoint Aaron and his sons. Notice in verse 17 through 21, and it came to pass in the first month of the second year on the first day of the month that the tabernacle was what, saints? Raised up. Now it's raised up and it's glorious. It's amazing. So Moses raised up the tabernacle, fastened the socket, set up its boards, put in its bars, and raised up its pillars. Notice in uh, verse 17, you need to draw your attention here. First of all, go back to verse 2. It tells us it's the first day of the first month. And then notice this is the month of Nisan. For some of you who know your Hebrew calendar, this is the month of Nisan. This is the same month, get this, that they came out of Egypt one year ago. So then in verse 17, actually through verse 21, we won't read it. The tent is going up, it goes up, and then they set up the boards and the covering. And then, in, um, and then you'll see the Ark of the Covenant is set up in the temple, the most holy place. The veil is hung. And from this date, get this, verse 21, the veil is hung. From this point on, until Jesus dies on the cross, this veil that separates the holy place from the most holy place. That veil's going to hang there from this moment on until Jesus dies on the cross, right? Because when Jesus dies on the cross, what happens? Don't be shy. The veil of the temple is torn. So from this moment till Jesus dies on that cross, this veil will hang in this place. Very interesting. Verses 22 and 23, the table of showbread is put in the holy place. Verse 24 and 25, the lampstand is put in the holy place and it will never go out. 
Verse 26 and 27, the golden altar of incense is put in the holy place. Verse 28, the screen is hung at the entrance of the tabernacle. Verse 29, the brazen altar is put in its place. Verse 30 and 32, the lava or the wash basin is put between the altar and the tent. And then in verse 33, and he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses did what? Finish the work. You know, saints, listen, it is important to finish the work. You know, I think of Noah who finished the ark, Nehemiah who finished the wall, Paul, who finished the race. Jesus on the cross who said it is finished. Christians are notorious for starting stuff and not finishing. I'm so excited about that Bible study, I can't believe it. I just, you go two times, well, I can't make it this week. You never go again. You start a ministry, you start it, you never finish it. We're called to finish our race with joy and with patience. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Moses finished the work. And because, watch this, Moses finished the work. Then, verse 34, look at it. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Then, give me your attention, then, 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 when the work was finished, the cloud covered and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And isn't this interesting? Moses was called to the work, got everything in place for the work, but Moses couldn't be a partaker of the work. He couldn't stay in the tabernacle. First Kings chapter 8, go do your homework. You'll see something just like that in First Kings chapter 8. Everything is done just as God commanded with the resources that God provided. And I told you earlier, didn't I, that God's work done God's way brings God's blessings, provision, but also, let's add one to that, it also brings God's presence. God's work done God's way brings God's blessings, provision, and also brings God's presence. God, the glory of God, covered and inhabits the temple. God's doing everything. Nobody is building. Did you notice that? They're not not building this. God is building this from start to finish. You know you were with us. God has done it all. No man is doing this on their own. God is doing the building project. Well, look at verse 36. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Listen before you shut your Bibles. Whenever the cloud moved, the people had to pack it up. Can you imagine one day a little boy looks out the window and says, dad, the cloud is moving. Pack it up, pack it up, pack it up, pack it up. We got to go when the cloud is moving. 
And when the cloud made a left, they made a left. And when the cloud made a right, they made a right. In other words, listen, they were not to move until God moved. And so we learn, you don't move unless the Lord is moving. Don't ever move ahead of the Lord and say, God, I'm going over here. Lord, bless this. You know, God does not work that way. God does not work that way. Hear me. Learn. God does not work that way. You don't go ahead of God and tell God to come bless it. Because remember, we talked about God doesn't bless mess. Amen. And whenever you get ahead of God, that's messy. It'll always be a mess. You just move with God. You just move with God. Lord, I want to move with you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.